Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. For the uh, month of October, we were going to do a, a study here on prayer and what, uh, what we find in Scripture as far as um, what Jesus teaches us about prayer, uh, the prayers that uh, he offers, and really um, all these things are a habit of prayer that uh, Jesus gives us. And uh, what's interesting is that as our Lord prayed, um, we see these little snapshots all throughout Scripture of his, of his prayer life. And really, prayer is, is, is foundational to our life. Uh, we see it all the way from Genesis through Revelation about the prayer, uh, prayers that believers had, um, the, the communion that they had with God through prayer. And in Jesus' life, as we look at the gospel accounts, um, we see Jesus having these habits of prayer. And, and really, what, what is a habit? Um, a habit is an act that has repeated so often that it is to be done involuntarily. Um, just like how you wake up in the morning and you put your shoes on, right? It's, it's become a habit. It's, it's just like, it's like you're not even really thinking about it anymore. Or when you get in the car and you, you start the ignition and you back out, the, these habits that we form, they become so repeated so often that it becomes almost involuntarily. And that's what Jesus' life was about. As he prayed, uh, this habit that he had of praying was almost to him just like as it was breathing, and you say, now, Mike, well, wait a minute, Jesus was God. Yes, that's true. But he was also 100% man. And he experienced the same things that we experienced. Uh, he was tired. He grew weary. He hungered. Um, he experienced the rejection, that same that you and I experience in life. But yet we find through these snapshots in the scripture of a life of a habit of prayer that Jesus had. And it's interesting, if you read and study through the gospel accounts of Jesus' life here, you'll find that there are 15 mentions of Jesus' praying habits that he had. Um, we find, uh, of those that are mentioned, Matthew records three. Mark and John record four of them for us. But do you know the gospel that records the most of Jesus' habit of praying? It's the Gospel of Luke, which reflects his humanity of his prayer life. And uh, I want to share these uh, snapshots with you, these 15 snapshots that we find in the Gospel accounts here, and then hopefully give you some truths from his life that will hopefully challenge all of us, myself included, to really learn the habit of praying and hopefully we will see Jesus prayed, he prayed much, he needed to pray, and Jesus loved to pray. So this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. If Jesus prayed, then I need to learn to pray. Now, I'm not standing up here this morning to say that 
I am the model of prayer. I'm not saying that I have all the things figured out about what prayer is and what it should be. I myself am on a journey just like you that I need to learn how to pray, to pray more often, more frequently, uh, pray more passionately, uh, to have that communion with the Father. And I think that who else could better teach us of the habit of prayer than Jesus himself? So we're going to look at some of these uh, snapshots here, and we're going to move through them uh, fairly quickly, but uh, you can write down the the scripture references if you want to study them uh, for more time. But let's take a look here and notice of uh, these habits of prayer. Uh, First one here that we find about Jesus' habits of prayer is Luke chapter 3, verse number 21. And this is, this is the scene here at Jesus' baptism. Uh, the other gospel accounts um, that we find uh, record his baptism, which is Matthew and Mark. But Luke adds a little bit of a different phrase about Jesus' baptism here. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, we find there, before Jesus is baptized, it says, and was praying. Right before his baptism, the other gospel accounts leave that out. But we see Jesus waiting in prayer right before the Holy Spirit comes down and descends upon him like a dove. Now that's significant to think about. Here is Jesus right before he begins his public ministry. And right before he begins his public ministry, what is he doing? Praying. He realized the importance of how and why he needed to pray, praying for God's power, praying, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon him, descending upon him like a dove. And his praying was waiting on God's anointing. And this teaches us something about prayer. Prayer brings power. When you and I have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit already came to indwell in us. But there is a a certain aspect of that, of the filling of God's spiritual power working in our life. And that comes through prayer. As we are seeking God, Jesus himself, as he was praying, it says here. Here's the second one, Mark chapter 135. We find here, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out there to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Uh, If we read the verses that are surrounding here in uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 here, we find about Jesus here, this day before this was a Sabbath day. And during the Sabbath day, it was very, very busy, because we read about what happens here, and it tells us here in uh, Mark chapter 1, that it says immediately he left the synagogue, he enters the house of Simon. So he had spent most of the time teaching in the synagogue, verse 29, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, 
Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. Immediately they told him about her. He came and took her by the hand, lifted her up. Fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. He had had a full day. Very, very busy teaching and healing people and spending time with people. And then what do we find? At the end of the day, at the end of the night, he had spent all this time together. You would think that he's going to go home, he's going to go to sleep, and maybe he's just going to sleep in a few extra hours the next morning. But what do we find Jesus doing? And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And notice the disciples' reaction to all this. Here he is, he's spending this time praying. Verse 36, Mark chapter 1, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, Hey, everybody's looking for you. Where you been all day? Where you been? We're looking for you. And he had spent that time praying. And notice Jesus' response. Look what he says. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. The busier the day, the more time that Jesus spent in prayer. Jesus was going to move on to a new town, new people, new problems. It wasn't the same problems, the same people. He moved on, and so he knew that he needed to spend that time in prayer because the next day was going to bring new people and new problems, new decisions that had to be made, and he spent that time in prayer. Here's the next one, Luke chapter 5, verse number 16. We find Jesus here. And the Scripture tells us here, but he would withdraw to desolate places... And pray. And so here's the picture. He had just healed a leper. Jesus commands him not to tell anybody of what he has done. And that man, of course, didn't listen to what Jesus told him to do. And so news got out hey, there's a guy here that can heal people. Look, I used to be a leper. Look at me, I'm completely clean. And Jesus now finds himself being thronged by the people. Luke chapter 5, verse number 15. It tells us, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But what does Jesus do? It says that he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. You see, even with the great crowds and so much that had to be done, Jesus withdrew himself and what's interesting about this phrase is the way that it was worded gives us a habit of what Jesus would do. I mean, look at, listen to what it says. He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. There's a, there's a repeating habit here of what Jesus would do is he would withdraw himself and pray. You see, this was not a one-time thing. This was a habit that he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This teaches us something about the habit of praying that 
He was pressed by duties, responsibilities, service, etc., but he gave prayer the rightful place that it had to be. You see, you and I have several responsibilities and service and opportunities and things that have to get done. Jesus had a lot. There was, look what it says. It says that even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed. There was a lot to be done, but what does he do? He puts prayer in the proper place and says, you know what? I need to pray. And he withdraws himself and spends that time in prayer. He guarded his time with the Father. Here's the fourth one, Luke chapter 6, verse number 12. It tells us, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And here in Luke 6, and don't miss this, this was probably around the, the middle of the, the second year of his public ministry now. And he's been dealing with the criticism and the hatred and of the religious elite. Because listen to what uh, verse number 7 says here in Luke chapter 6. It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. And Jesus heals this man with the withered hand. Uh, and we find in verse number 11, But they were filled with fury and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. And this was also right before he calls his 12 disciples to himself. And we don't find any mention of what Jesus planned, that he planned to pray. But look what he does. He does this, and he tells us here, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So how does Jesus deal with the hypocrisy and the, 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 the attacks and the, the snarky remarks and everything that he was encountering? He goes out and he continues all night in prayer to God. And I love the way that Luke writes this because look how easily he transitions this. Verse number 13, and when day came, here he is spending all night in prayer. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose them twelve whom he named apostles. So Jesus spends all night in prayer, and in the next morning, then he goes about doing what the Father wants him to do. Look at verse 17 and 19, because I love this. Same chapter, chapter 6. So here he spent the whole night in prayer. He names the apostles there, verse 17. And he came down with them, and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. I think so many times we, what we do, and I am so guilty of this, we plan in advance what we are going to do, and then we ask God to bless it. That's not what Jesus did. He continued all night in prayer, then he chose his disciples, then he goes out and heals, and great power goes out from him. Here's the next one, Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, and Mark chapter 6, 46. 
It tells us here, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. This was about the beginning of his last year of his public ministry. And he and the disciples had been very busy. They had been healing. They had been teaching. There was a need to rest. In fact, Jesus suggested some time of rest. He said, hey, how about let's, let's set aside some time. Let's get the rest that we need. Let's, let's separate ourselves from everything that's going on. And Jesus suggests, he says, all right, you disciples, why don't you go out, go to the other side of the lake. I'll get a boat, and I'll go over to the other side of the lake. And we find in Scripture here that it says that the people, there were so many people going, that were there, that they saw what the disciples and Jesus were doing, and it says that they ran after, they outran him. So that, in other words, they see Jesus on this side of the lake, and they start running to the other side of the lake so that they could meet him over there. And when they all get there, the Bible tells us that Jesus has having compassion on them, and the disciples there are like, hey, send these people away. Send them away. Send them away. And the Lord tells us and says, no, you know what? Why don't you get some food? Get some food and let's feed them. Get them something to eat. And we see that miracle where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And we read here in uh, Matthew chapter 14 about what happens. So Matthew 14 and verse 22 says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. And so here is this second whole night in prayer. Very, very busy, but yet he kept that habit of praying, separating himself, going up to the mountain and praying. And at this point, Jesus had already revealed to his disciples of his coming violent death of what was going to happen, but yet he continued in prayer. Here's the sixth one. Luke chapter 9, verse number 18 tells us here, Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. Now I love this because this is an interesting one because we now see a different side of Jesus' habit of praying. Now, I don't think it's the fact that he was totally alone because it says that his disciples were with him. I believe what, uh, what uh, Luke is writing here is the fact that Jesus has now separated himself from the crowds. His disciples are with him. And it says there that he was praying and his disciples are there with him. And so... Here is the disciples, they're with him, and I think Jesus is trying to teach his disciples something very important about prayer. That it's not just us alone. That there are times that we can pray together, and he invited his disciples to be praying with him, and I believe he was trying to really teach him the importance and the habit of prayer. And there's this fellowship there with the disciples during prayer. And isn't that what's interesting is that prayer brings about fellowship in our lives when we pray together and we should be praying together. The church should be praying together. There's a fellowship there because we are all seeking God together. We are all seeking his power. We're all seeking his presence in our life. 
Here's the seventh one, Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 29. It says, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. Now this is known as the transfiguration of Jesus. And this is the third recording of a night up on the mountain to pray that we find in Scripture. Both Matthew and Mark record this for us, but Luke adds this detail that we don't find in the other two gospel accounts. And here it is. And as he was praying. Now there is something to grasp here about this because this, is, this was a, uh, an awesome thing that they, that they saw. Both uh, Peter, James, and John, they're up there on the mountain with Jesus. And as Jesus was praying... He was transfigured before him. His face shone. The glory of God was being revealed to them. And it says that his, his garment, his clothing was changed before them. Now think about this. What is the greatest change that happens in our life is when we get alone with God and we're spending time in prayer and we're asking God to change our hearts to become more like him. It comes through prayer. And we see that through Jesus' life here as well, that he was transfigured as he was praying. And how important for us to learn that prayer, being about a tra- that, that it brings about a transformation in our lives as we seek the will of God, repenting of sin and putting on the new man. And prayer plays a vital role as we become more and more like Jesus. Here's the eighth one, Luke chapter 10, verse 21. We find that Luke writes about this, that as Jesus sent out his 70 disciples two by two, uh, we find that they're coming back to him with these reports of everything that they have been doing. I mean, the, the, the sick are being healed, demons are being cast out. And I love Jesus' response as they're coming back to give him a report of everything that they had done. And Jesus' response to this is a heart of joy. And listen to what he prays to his father immediately on hearing the news. Luke chapter 10, verse 21, it says, In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Isn't it interesting that prayer was not a formal activity for Jesus? In other words, here the disciples are coming back and immediately, right right away, he just says, I thank you, Father. I I mean, there's just this communication that just happens. It's organic. It's not something that he's working up. It's organic. There's There's this talking to God, speaking to his Father, And him speaking these words and telling them of how thankful he is of what God is doing uh, in their lives. And it was very natural for him to speak to his father. They were always on speaking terms. Here's the ninth one, Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. We find here now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And no doubt Jesus had talked to them about the importance of prayer. I mean, they saw him praying. 
They knew it was important to pray. They saw how important the prayer played in his own life. And they knew there was a connection of prayer and God's power. And here's their request. Lord, teach us to pray. Not how to pray, but teach us to pray. The desire to pray. The desire to be praying to the Father. And the first step in learning to pray is what? To pray, right? Lord, teach me to pray. Jesus is going to be our greatest teacher of all of that. Here's the 10th one, John chapter 11, verse 41 through 42. This scene here is a very sad one. We find that there had just been a funeral, and all the family and friends are grieving, and we come to a town in Bethany, and a man had just been laid to rest. He has been dead now for four days. People are still crying, and Jesus tells them to take away the stone on the tomb, and this is where we read it in John chapter 11, verses 41 through 42. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Now what's interesting here is the prayer. Listen to the words of Jesus again. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. What did the Father hear? Nowhere in Scripture, even before all this starts, if you even backtrack in, uh, in John chapter 11, when you go the time before Jesus went to Bethany, there was, two, there was two whole days that he spent in that town, not in Bethany, but before he went to Bethany, and he spends that time there while Lazarus is sick, and then finally Jesus says, Lazarus has died. But here... Jesus' prayer to the fathers, he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Never do we find anywhere in Scripture where Jesus actually prays and says, Father, I'm going to ask that when I get to Bethany, that you raise up Lazarus. But do you think Jesus was already praying that? Yes, because it's recorded for us here. Father, I thank you that you always hear me. There's another element here of prayer here as well, and that's what Jesus says. I knew that you always hear me. You see, prayer brings about a strengthening of our faith. Faith is not believing that he can, but that he will. And that faith only comes because we have spent time with God in prayer. And so Jesus himself gives us this habit of knowing that the Father does hear him, and the Father always hears him, because he had spent time in prayer. Here's number 11, John chapter 12, verses 27 through 28. This is six days before the feast of the Passover, and we find recorded for us, that there are some Jews, some uh, Greeks that want to see Jesus. And Jesus gets word of this and gives us a glimpse of the Son of Man. He has this vision of the Son of Man being lifted up, a vision of the cross. And he says this in verses 27 through 28. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Here's his prayer. Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name name. 
just as quick as that prayer was uttered, we find immediately after, after he says that, there's a voice that comes from heaven. And that voice says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The Father hears Jesus and he hears us when we pray. But what's the difference? Jesus heard a voice, did he not? In fact, the people that were standing around, some said, I think it was thundering. Other people said, I think there was an angel speaking. But Jesus heard the very distinct voice of the Father. Now, how does God speak to us? He speaks to us through his word. And when we pray, we need to have a listening ear of the Father when he speaks. And he speaks directly, and he speaks very purposefully into our lives. But some of us don't have a listening ear to listen. Or because we are not simply asking and praying for God to speak to us. And Jesus gives us this habit, when he prays, the Father speaks. When he prays, the Father answers. Here's the twelfth one. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 32. Now, I love this one. It's Passion Week. This is the last night with his disciples. The next day, he will be crucified. They've gathered in the upper room, and they're eating the Passover meal together. They're spending this, this precious few hours together, these last few time and hours together. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He shares with them about what is going to happen. And in all these things we find recorded for us in verses 31 through 32, Jesus' words here, and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Isn't that awesome? He had been praying for Peter by name. He doesn't just say, Peter, oh, by the way, I'm going to be praying for you. He says, I have been praying for you already. This was one of Jesus' habits in prayer was to pray for others by name. And by the way, he is still doing this. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. You see, Jesus is at the Father's right hand, and he's praying for us that have trusted him for salvation, that we continually continue for him, that we continue in our faith. He is continually praying for you by name, already, right now. This is a habit that Jesus had. He knows your name and is praying for you continually. Here's the 13th one. John chapter 17, we find this high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. And if we follow the order of events in, in John, John chapter 12 gives us these very last few words of Jesus as he's, as he's uh, there uh, in, his, in his public ministry, if you will. And from chapter 13 to chapter 17 we find this time he is spending with his disciples and he's instructing them and telling them some very important things. And in this prayer, we find Jesus revealing to us what the Father is going to accomplish 
through Jesus. Now there's a great assurance here for the believer. Why? Because we have a Savior who is resurrected from the dead. And that Savior is going to come again. And when he returns, he will be the king that will reign. And when you read that high priestly prayer, he talks about, Father, I'm going to glorify you through my death. And then he asks the Father, Father, will you now put me back in the same position, that, that glorification? And he asks the Father for that. He prays these things. And when Jesus returns, he is going to be our king. Here's the 14th one, Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, and also Mark uh, 14:32 and Luke 21, 39 through 40. And this is next to the last account of Jesus' habits of prayer here, is where we find Jesus now in the Garden of Gethsemane before his rest. And it's recorded for us here in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we find Jesus saying to his disciples in all of this, sit here while I go and pray. And we find Jesus, he goes and he prays, and it tells us that he continues all night in prayer. And in his prayer, we find the torment that he's going through as he's praying to the Father. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Right? There's this great agony in prayer. And it says that there was so much agony that as he sweat, it was as if it were great drops of blood because he's under so much agony in prayer. And as he prays, then he leaves from prayer, and he goes over to his disciples, and what does he find? He finds them sleeping. And he says, hey, wake up, wake up, watch. Watch in prayer, watch in prayer. Don't fall asleep. Wake up. And then it says he goes back, and he begins praying again. And then he leaves from there, goes back to his disciples. Hey, guys, wake up, wake up. Don't fall asleep. Continue in prayer. And then he goes back and he prays again. And then he comes back and he sees them. They're sleeping. He says, sleep on now. Time is now at hand. He sees the torches starting to come towards him. Certain physical suffering, certain death, certain separation from the Father, pain and loneliness. We don't know how long Jesus struggled in prayer, but we're told that an angel, a messenger came to strengthen him in prayer. Boy, what does that teach us? Jesus says, don't fall asleep. And there are going to be times in our lives that we are going to be under so much anguish and pressure that we need to continue in prayer. Because here we find that Jesus, there was an angel that came to strengthen him in prayer. We learn in the greatest crisis in Jesus' life, he prayed not during prayer during the crisis, but prayer before the crisis. Here's the last one, Luke chapter 23, 34. We find the closing scene of Jesus' earthly life here, and he's been taken to, to be crucified. And in the gospel accounts, there are seven sentences that Jesus utters from the cross. And of those seven, three of those are prayers. Luke chapter 23, 34 tells us that while the soldiers were driving the nails into his hands and his feet, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. 
Then in Matthew's account in uh, Matthew 27 for 46, tells us that there was darkness over the face of the earth from high noon till three o'clock in the afternoon. And there Jesus was being rejected by the Father. Total darkness. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, this is the very last thing that Jesus says from the cross. It's the last prayer, last words of Jesus. And in triumphant victory, as he breathes out his last, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus' ministry began in prayer before he was baptized, and his ministry ended in prayer. There's a connection there that his whole life was about prayer. He had a habit of prayer and praying. So here's some things here that I want to bring some conclusions about the habits of Jesus' prayer life. Number one, when he prayed. He prayed early but also sought other opportunities in secret and sometimes all night. Secondly, where he prayed, desert places, the mountains, solitary places. He talks about going into the prayer closet, right? The secret chamber where God is the only one that sees you and praying. Thirdly, how he prayed. He was always in tune with the Spirit. He prayed during the great crisis, prayed for others by name, and prayed with others. Prayer meant so much to Jesus. He prayed whether there was an emergency or not. When he was weary, he prayed. When, he was, when it was hard, he prayed. When he was hard-pressed, he prayed. He chose his disciples through prayer. If tempted, he prayed. If fatigued, he prayed. He was strengthened in prayer and through prayer and found that understanding to continue in what the Father had commissioned him to do through prayer. His ministry began in prayer and ended in prayer. Now, this is Jesus who was 100% man, just like you and I, yet without sin. He experienced all the same things that we experience and have experienced, and yet his life was marked by a habitual habit of prayer. And I am disgusted with myself. I'm disgusted with myself because not only the lack of prayer in my life, but also the lack of desire to pray. May we as the church, the body of Christ, have a desire to pray because our Lord and Savior, Jesus, has given us a beautiful example of a life of prayer. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.